Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions while he gave me the teachings I share here. Most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishpapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harane Bhakta Kayaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heta Vejagatameva Samsara Navasetave Prabhave Sarva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshvara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Svarupa Svasvabhava Namo Namaha Om I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self, Shiva, your own beingness, your own isness, the one divine reality, being you while being all and beyond all. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. What is happiness? People pursue happiness their whole life long. I do have to say that I think Americans are particularly invested in this, as it is named as a God-given right in the founding documents of our country. The U.S. National Constitution begins with, all are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The writers of this document were strongly influenced by the German and French philosophers of the 1600s and 1700s, many of whom got their philosophy from the ancient Greeks. Aristotle wrote, happiness is the meaning and purpose of life. 
the whole aim of human existence. Happiness is the meaning and purpose of life. The whole aim of human existence. This is the story of your life, of everyone's life. Everyone wants to be happy. But what is happiness? And how do you get there? A Zen teaching story points to the very human pursuit of happiness. A man was walking along when a tiger jumped out and confronted him. Fearing for his life, the man ran as fast as he could, ending up at the edge of a cliff. Having no choice, he went over the edge and grabbed a vine growing out of the side of the cliff. The tiger came to the edge and growled at him from above. The man looked down to find an escape and discovered another tiger growling at him from below. Scared, he clung tightly to the vine that was keeping him from being killed by the tigers. In the leaves of the vine, he saw a black mouse and a white mouse nibbling away at the stems. They would soon eat right through. He looked around for another option and saw some juicy berries growing on the vine. Dangling from the cliff face, he held onto the vine with one hand and plucked a berry with the other. Oh, how sweet it tasted. So he shifted his hold on the vine and reached for another berry. What does the story mean? Death above, death below. In between a vine with some berries, the vine is being eaten away by two mice, one white and one black. They are day and night. Your days and nights are numbered, and you have no way out, yet you still pursue sensory pleasures. (laughs) Is this what Aristotle meant, that happiness is the point of life? Can we even call this happiness? The Greeks called it hedonia, hedonism, pleasure. Aristotle disagreed with pleasure being the point of life. He spoke of happiness, not pleasure. Happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim of human existence. This is the English translation, of course. But he did not use the Greek word hedonia. For happiness. He was not speaking of sensory indulgences. The Greek word he used was eudaimonia. Eudaimonia means well being, even blessedness, or the ultimate value of your life, measuring how well you have lived up to your full potential as a human being. Aristotle was telling you to look at the big picture outside and inside. When you're pursuing happiness, you're looking at a freeze frame in your life. Pursuing your senses, hedonism, is a way to be happy for a few moments. Only a few moments. Happiness is defined by the American Psychological Association as an emotion of joy, gladness, satisfaction, and well-being. This means happiness is an emotion. Emotions are ever-changing, like thoughts in your mind, like ocean waves always churning through. This kind of happiness is fragile. 
A single worry can shatter happiness. So we have in Greek, hedonia and eudaimonia. Hedonia means pleasure, specifically sensory delights or simple happiness. Eudaimonia means the thriving of the soul and doing what you were meant to do as a human. Modern researchers are finding Aristotle's definitions to be valid. Here we are 1,700 years later. In 2016, a book presented eudaimonic research from leaders in this field. One group of researchers links eudaimonia with wholeness and holiness, saying, it is difficult to speak of wholeness without attending to spirituality. Wholeness and holiness are intimately related. Thus, any attempt to cultivate wholeness that overlooks the spiritual dimension we believe is likely to be incomplete. Wholeness and holiness. Eudaimonia, as in well-being, even blessedness, or the ultimate value of your life, as in the thriving of the soul and doing what you were meant to do as a human. You want to be happy? Yes, this is the path. Human beings have been questing for happiness since Aristotle's time, even before. Let's go back in time. Aristotle lived about 3500 BCE. The Buddha was 150 years earlier, about 500 BCE, almost 3,000 years ago. Buddha's contemporaries described him as ever smiling. Portrayals of Buddha almost always depict him with a smile on his face. But rather than the smile of a self-satisfied, materially rich, or celebrated man, Buddha's smile comes from a deep equanimity from within. You know that feeling? Of course you do. It's not merely spiritual. It's human. You have experienced this deep equanimity in your life, hopefully many times and will many times more. You don't have to be a yogi or a seeker to experience this, a deep equanimity from within. But to live in it all the time, that's a whole new level. So where did Buddha get it? Buddha was a yogi. Before he sat under the famous Bodhi tree, he studied with two yogis in the forest, Arda Kalama and Udraka Ramaputra. He got the classical teachings and meditative techniques that the yogis passed down through the generations for centuries or millennia before him. These teachings predate Buddha. Where do we find them? We go to the Upanishads. One of the earliest is the Chandogya Upanishad, and it gives the same teaching that happiness is not about pleasures or sensory pursuits. It is found deeper within. First, it says, 
that everyone is pursuing happiness. Do you suppose the writers of the U.S. Constitution went back to the Chandogya Upanishad? <laughs> Chapter 7, section 22.1 is titled Happiness. The great sage Sanat Kumar is teaching Narada, who also then became a great sage. At this point in time, Narada had a busy mind, which Upanishad tells us. That's why he went to a yogi for teaching and for practices. Sanat Kumar says, Yadavai sukham labhate ta karoti, na sukham labha karoti, sukhameva labha karoti, sukham dveva vijinya sitavyam, iti sukham bhagavo vijinya iti. O Narda, I tell you, nothing can be done unless it's motivated by happiness. Everywhere, you see, happiness is the goal of every aspiration, activity, desire, or undertaking. He has just described the pursuit of happiness. He says that everyone does what they do so they can hopefully be happy. Now he goes on and explains. What makes you seek happiness? Why are you seeking happiness? Sanat Kumar says there's something inside you that impels you into this relentless pursuit. You will find, he says, prior to everything imaginable, there is the abiding presence of happiness within. Everyone, no matter who they are, tries to be and do different things. Because of this presence of inner happiness, you must know what this happiness is. This happiness is the impelling force behind everything in creation. Your inherent nature is happiness. Prior to anything, there is happiness. Well, actually, it's bliss, the bliss of consciousness. But I'll explain more about that in a minute. First, We're looking at the quest for happiness. How long ago was this explained? Approximately 800 BCE, about 3,200 years ago. What is he saying? You look for happiness on the outside because your inherent nature is happiness. Wait, does that make sense? Even though you are made of happiness, you're looking for it on the outside? I don't get it. Here's the situation. Yes, happiness, better yet, bliss, is your nature. But you're not looking at your inherent nature, so you think you don't have it. Thus, you feel you are missing something essential to you. Your bliss-filled essence is missing. So you go looking for it. It's like if you're looking for a screwdriver. I thought I put it in this kitchen drawer, but I can't find it. This is where it's kept, but it's not here. Oh no, what am I going to do if I can't find this all-important screwdriver? Oh dear me, oh dear me, except it's in your pocket. You have it on you, but you can't find it. So what do you do? You get up and you go out to buy another one. Since you're not looking inward, you cannot find what you're made of, so you feel needy, greedy, grabby, and anxious, and you are propelled 
into incessant activity, body and mind. But Sanat Kumar says, prior to everything imaginable, there is the abiding presence of happiness within. This happiness is the impelling force behind everything in creation. What he means is that when you know your own self, Your happiness bubbles over into everything in your life. It impels your eudaimonia, your sense of fulfillment and purpose, your compassion and generosity, your greater sense of wholeness and holiness, which makes you happy. Better than happy. For when you know your own self, you know your divine essence. Now, Narada was listening to Sanat Kumar. Narada was very inspired by this description, so he asked a question. Where do I find it? Sanat Kumar says, my dear Narada, happiness is not anywhere, yet it is everywhere. It is in a completeness of being that you can find happiness. Where do you find it? You find it in a completeness of being. It comes from inside. You have experienced this completeness of being before. You long to experience it again. Of all the ways to find it, this completeness of being, meditation is the direct route, which is why we'll meditate in just a little bit. But first, let me explain the difference between happiness and bliss. Right on the border where they meet, meditation helps you cross that dotted line to dive in deeper. Happiness is essential, but bliss is better than happiness. And bliss is even more essential. Essential comes from essence, and your essence is bliss, which is why bliss is essential. Bliss is the experience of your essence, your divine essence, and bliss is necessary, for without bliss, you have lost the meaning and purpose of life. People try to make do with happiness instead of bliss. They pursue happiness because they don't even know that bliss is possible or that bliss is found inside. What's the difference between happiness and bliss? Happiness is the mind's experience of bliss. Bliss is deeper and more expansive. When it arises from its source within, which is your own self, it can fill your mind. That's happiness. When you let the bliss arise, from deep within, and you let it come up inside, come all the way up, literally through your neck and head and into your brain. Now you feel happy. Remember, happiness is an emotion. That means it's a function of mind. This has been researched and proven. Happiness is a decision It's really only about managing your mind. 
And I don't know about your mind, but most minds need better management. In yoga, the way you manage your mind is that you turn it toward your divine essence. You're looking for bliss, not mere happiness. It's like you've headed out the door on the way to the car with your keys in hand, and you suddenly realize the missing screwdriver is in your pocket. You stop and you laugh out loud. Ha! I had it all along. Yes! What is it you've had? Your own self. Well, your own self is not like a screwdriver. It's not an it. It's not something you have. It's not in your pocket. It's not anywhere outside of it. And you can't buy it at the hardware store. (laughs) Your own self is you, your essence, your beingness, your isness. Your own self is the one divine reality being you while being all and being beyond all. Yoga calls it Shiva. I call it Shiva. And I also call it the one divine reality. Baba calls it the supreme principle, saying the supreme principle underlies your quest for happiness. He warns that you cannot find the supreme principle through your senses. Baba describes it much like Sanat Kumar did. When one contemplates the supreme principle, one perceives that all the activities of the entire world occur because of the pulsation and play of its blissful movement, parashakti. So how do you come to find this? Baba says you must inwardly contemplate your identity with the supreme principle. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. My essence is the one divine reality being me. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. Shiva is being me. Shiva is being all, including me. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. When you do this, you reach the point that you, in Baba's words, neither reject nor hate the activities of the outer world. Instead, you participate in them fully. In other words, when you're enlightened, you have a life. You are already filled with happiness, better, the bliss of consciousness. So you're not coming to other people with your neediness and fear. You come in love and joy with pure delight and a desire to give, to share, to make a difference. Oh, Shiva, what a way to live. Wholeness and holiness and openness to life in all its glorious permutations. All that's left is, how do you get there? Baba says the supreme light can be recognized only through the purified willpower. In other words, you make a choice. You get that chance in meditation, you make a choice to look deeper within. 
Your mind wants to run off this way and that way, and you make a choice to look deeper within, and your mind wants to run off this other direction and that other direction, and you make a choice to look deeper within. There are three ways this choice can manifest. One of them is you sit in stillness. You simply settle within. First, your body settles into stillness, then your mind. Even your breath will suspend for long, sweet pauses. This is called Shambhavopaya, the choiceful settling within. And if you're not settling, especially if your mind is not settling into stillness, turn your busy mind in the inward direction by using mantra. This is called Shaktopaya since you usually chase the stuff running through your mind. I usually emphasize the value of repeating mantra during meditation. But if you cannot even keep your mind tracking on mantra, then you need something external to settle you. This is why yoga has discourses. (laughs) The teachings that turn your attention inward. And yoga has poses and breathing and chanting to make you able to settle like the pause after the chant just a little while ago. This is called anavopaya. And we have done some of these things, a blissful chant. Mm. And a discourse on happiness and bliss. And we'll do some more. We'll be repeating the mantra aloud. It's a type of chanting without music. And it gives you the ability to work with your mind directly by getting the mantra going inside. Once the mantra gets going, see where it takes you. It's like if you get on a bus and you want to take this bus all the way to, hmm, let's say all the way to Oklahoma. But if you get off the bus at the first stop, where will you end up? So you start up the mantra again. It's like you're getting on the next bus going your way. You get the mantra going, stay on the bus. (laughs) If at the next stop you get off again, chasing, oh, two familiar thoughts usually focus on. You need another mantra mobile. So you get on the mantra bus again. Will you stay on for a while? Get the mantra going inside. It will take you all the way. Sanat Kumara promises it. So does my Baba, so do I. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha.